Welcome to Knowles 24-7's On the Bench Podcast. This is Brendan Sinone. I'm joined by Chris Nee, Josh Newberg. Has Bob Stoops been hired yet? Has he, guys? Not as of this morning, Brendan. Not as of this morning. Well, I mean, Twitter told me on Monday. Anyways, all right, guys. There is obviously a lot to get. He might be hired on Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. He may be hired on a day. That's what I read. I heard that he, that Colonel Mustard saw him with Mr. Green and Professor Plum at the Blue Halo sometime around uh, around Monday evening. And, and Chris, you were at the Moore Center. Did you see him walking around in there with with everyone uh, like throwing rose petals under nope. under under his feet? All right. I saw my old buddy, the security guard, that locked me into a room a time oh, or that, two. In my that life, guy's yeah. cranky. When we used to have that, <laughs> that guy is uh, not having it. Um, he looks like every security guard ever, by the way, too. Like, I feel like he's a prototype. So I cast it. Yeah, very much so. He was born to be a security guard. So as as we record this on Thursday morning, uh, there has not been a hire. And man, what a crazy couple of days this has been. We knew it would be hectic when we uh, when we did our last podcast, which was on Sunday evening, the emergency podcast. Willie Taggart was was fired. And uh, after that, there's a, a press conference with Odell Higgins being the interim head coach and uh and David Coburn, athletic director, kind of talking about the process of letting Willie Taggart go. I don't want to spend a ton of time on on the whys with Willie Taggart. We've already done that. We're moving on. Uh, what I do want to talk about, guys, is the crazy couple of days with with rumors and uh, Bob Stoops specifically as as being the target for FSU. Uh, Chris, I'll start with you. Uh, not rumors, not the BS. Actually, you know, Josh, I'm going to start with you because it was your name on the byline, your report. Uh, we all contributed, but it was your report. Uh, what we heard on Tuesday with Bob Stoops and, and why we were a little bit more quiet uh, than others on Monday evening leading into our, our first technical report on the on the coaching search. Yeah, on Monday night, things got a little hectic. Um, I think what tends to happen during these searches, and it's not just this fan base or media base, it's, it's, it's everything. Um, everybody starts speaking into an echo chamber. And what happens is people start repeating things that they were told or they were heard. And it gets mistaken for sources. And then you get the people on Twitter that want to escalate everything to the next possible outcome. And we kind of saw a frenzy of that on Monday night where it started off as like this low hum of Stoops is the is the main focus. Stoops is the candidate. Stoops is nearing is in discussions. He's nearing a deal. This is the OC and DC that he's going to have. It could be announced any time. Oh, he's in <laughs> Yeah. You know, it just got to this place where it's like, all right, guys, you really can't take this any further. Of course, we woke up on Tuesday morning. Uh, credit to everybody at Knowles 24-7. We didn't really jump into the, to the frenzy. Um, but we did wake up on Tuesday morning having spoken to a lot of people and we felt very comfortable to say that we do believe Stoops is the candidate, is the top candidate and the focus in the early stages of this um, of this search. And also, when I woke up on on Tuesday morning, I was told that, hey, you know, Josh pumped the brakes. There's a search firm that's about to get involved. And of course, David Coburn at his noon press conference announced the hiring of a search firm. Chris confirmed that um, the head of the firm is in town, has been meeting with David Coburn. So and the prospect. And and eaten at Spirit with Chris, not two days in a row like Chris, only one day in a row. D- different tables. Okay, good, good. Oh, I wish you would have just joined them. You could ask politely. 
But um, Chris, Chris was popping mac and cheese bites into my mouth the uh, the day before that. One I was throwing time. them across the table. I yeah. wasn't popping them. In no, it wasn't like it wasn't was like a little a, target practice. Right, it wasn't like grapes uh, with a Greek goddess or something or god. I mean god, right? Not a goddess. Anyways, continue. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> and we just learned that there's a lot going on in the background. You know, David Coburn is actively meeting with the rest of the staff. Um, if Chris wants to talk more on that, he can. But there's there's just a lot going on right now. And to think that a hire was going to come down 24 hours after Willie Taggart's firing, 72 hours after the fire, I mean, that's a little bit rushed. This is I know Willie Taggart was hired quickly after Jimbo Fisher departed, but this is a different hire, a different timetable. And there's a reason why FSU needs to do all of their due diligence right now. And I think that's just what's what's taking place. Yeah, some of the stuff I would add to what Josh just was talking about. Search firms hired for a multitude of reasons. One mm-hmm. is they know a lot of people. They can vet a lot of people. They're also a way to circumvent Sunshine State laws. So there's a lot of ways they can help FSU in this process. It's not as simple as FSU's paying somebody a certain amount of cash to go hire somebody for them. It's not, that's not the way a search firm really is utilized. Another thing I would add on the search is that FSU, I believe, has been kicking the tires on who is next for at least now almost three weeks since the Wake Forest game concluded, but you're not in it until you're in it. And they weren't in it until Saturday night happened against Miami. And then Sunday it became official that they were in it. So you, you, despite doing a lot of background work and kind of getting your ducks in order, it still just takes time. Coburn has said multiple times, most recently yesterday that they expect to have a hire and their goal is by the end of the month. So obviously that time frame sets from any time from now till basically after the Florida game concludes but right after the florida game concludes um echoing what josh said because we're in an echo chamber here echo echo, 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 is that you know stoops is the main guy but i think they're they're truly checking on a multitude of guys i don't think they're putting all their eggs in one basket i think the money the people that are involved in paying for this stoops is the name that a majority of them like but that's where it starts that's not necessarily where it ends and i'll pass the baton off to my boy brendan Oh, I wasn't I wasn't ready for that. And for you to call me Brendan, it's usually Sinone. I'm very uh, I'm disoriented right now. So with Bob Stoops as what we believe to be the lead candidate, as Chris said, there are others. Uh, I do want to talk about this. David Coburn came out in response uh, to what all that craziness was on Monday. We had on Tuesday morning our report on on us believing that that Bob Stoops was the lead candidate, but saying you know nothing imminent. Josh said pump the brakes, uh, and and David Coburn through the Tallahassee Democrat essentially confirmed that uh, Bob Stoops is a candidate, uh, but also said there are other candidates. Not long after, uh, several national media members, uh, including Kirk Herbstreet, uh, so they spoke with Bob Stoops and and Bob Stoops. It's going to be hard for me to not say like Mark Stoops and Mike Stoops during all those two guys. Correct me if I do, please. Uh, a Stoops. Uh, but, he, but he said that, that Bob Stoops uh, said he was not a candidate. Now, to you guys, I ask, how is that possible? Uh, Bob Stoops, this is maybe semantics. Bob Stoops doesn't, doesn't get to determine if he's a candidate, nope. right? Mm-mm. Florida listen, State can listen, determine I, I, who's yeah. a candidate. I'm right there with you, Brennan. Look, if if A.D. Coburn and, and Thrasher have Bob Stoops at the top of their hot board, he's a candidate. They're going to presume it's their job to convince him 
to take it and to give enough money to take it, but he's a candidate if FSU says he's a candidate. And these are right. just semantics. It doesn't really matter. But yeah, no, but, but I think it's important that he did not come out and say, I'm not interested. Now, if he comes out and says that, one, you know, we've seen other coaches in the past, like like Nick Saban or Urban Meyer say similar things and they end up at Alabama, Ohio State. So that doesn't mean anything, but I would take that more as like, okay, he's not interested uh, if that's what he actually said versus I'm not a candidate. That That is a semantic argument. But uh, if we are looking at Bob Stoops, we're saying this is the guy for Florida State. We believe that to be the case. This is who they want to go after. Uh, because what does that entail? Uh, what what would attracting Bob Stoops to come to your organization, to your program, what would that get him out of retirement technically? Like what would you have to do? I think first off, guys, money, right? Like a lot of, a lot of money is, is probably the starting point. Yeah, I think it's financial guarantees. It's a guarantee of development of facilities that that continues. That's something FSU keeps doing. It's a guarantee that we're going to try to compete on the highest levels, which means paying for support staff, hiring very good coordinators at a good price. We're not going to run into roadblocks every time you try to do things. Those are things that any coach hired anywhere is going to want. Now, somebody like Bob Stoops has a leverage point because, one, he's an exceptional coach who has won at the highest level who's been very successful at major programs. So that's the kind of guy that can say, I want this. And for a school to do it, they have to do it. He has a lot to stand on. There's other coaches who are more up and coming types that obviously they'll want that, but FSU can counter them more strongly than they would be able to counter somebody of the magnitude of Bob Stoops. Plus Bob Stoops currently has a job, actually has two of them. You know, the XFL club in Dallas that he's working with. He also works with OU. He has a, I don't know the specific title of the role, but essentially He's a paid spokesperson for OU. His son plays for OU. He has another son who coaches in Norman, Oklahoma. So he's not a guy who's in a rush to leave where he's at. He's very happy with the way his life is. There's a whole lot of reasons for Bob Stoops to stay out of college coaching. Among them, recruiting is not real fun for a guy who's about to be 60 years old. Most guys don't enjoy that. So Bob Stoops kind of has a ton of leverage that he's working with here. But, you know, that's just the dynamics of a coaching search. That's going to be true with any coach you kind of try to move on who has had the success of the magnitude of a Bob Stoops. Do you guys want to keep, keep going real quick? I just got an invitation to buy a very exclusive whiskey. So you guys just keep rolling with this and I got to take care of a few things. All right. Well, what are we at? Never mind. You can't do this. You can't do do this without me. I'm I'll put the whiskey to side. I'm showing my importance right now. Uh, What I want to do is in addition to the timeline, well, let's talk about the timeline real quick, because people are freaking out when David Coburn says, you know, by the end of the month or you know, within the month, uh, because they're thinking, you know, this is going to be imminent. Uh, we've talked about this, obviously not. Pump the brakes is, wh- is where we're at right now. Josh, what do you think timeline wise? And I don't want to put like paint us in a corner, but this was always going to take more than four or five days. Right. This is always going to be at least probably a couple of business weeks to to if that if Bob Stoops was your plan to get all the details ironed out, even if you maybe had reached out or had a, had a gauge of interest beforehand, correct? Yeah, the some of the you know the time frame that I was kind of told right after by people I trust was somewhere in the ten to fourteen day range, and I was given that number and told that a search firm was entering the mix and that this was going to be something that they understood that they wanted to get done quickly, but didn't need to hurry the process. So I. I, I've stated, you know, even on this podcast, I guess I introduced that idea that I thought that a reasonable time frame for the hire would be 
any time between now and 24 hours after the UF game. And I, and I don't think, you know, I can't even remember what's another head coach that accepted a job during the season. So if it's not Bob Stoops, I mean, outside of Stoops, like who would we expect? How would we expect a job to be taken? I, I don't, Chris, do you recall a head coach accepting a job during the season? I mean, I'm weeks, sure it's happened at weeks some left point into the somewhere. season. I'm sure it's happened somewhere, but, but you know, not at this I, level. Yeah, and you can't take that kind of PR hit if you're a guy who's leaving a you know an SEC program who's successful and probably going to play in a bowl, and you do that, you're taking a massive PR hit for doing that. If you're a guy who's leaving a you know a school that's having one of the best seasons in their history in the AAC, you you can't do that. It's a PR hit. You you have to play the politics the right way. You have to exit stage left the right way and enter into the new fray the right way. And it wins you a lot of points. Uh, the head coach, Neil Brown, Brown, who's at West Virginia now, I think if you look back at how he left Troy for West Virginia last year, that's about as graceful and great as you can handle a coaching transition. And it won him a lot of good favor, a lot of good press. And I think it's a good thing for a guy. You don't want to be the guy that just, oh, I care about the kids, but screw those kids I used to coach because these guys are paying me more. You don't right. want to be that guy. Right. It's a bad look. So, I didn't, you know, when when everything started to heat up so early in this week, it really caught me off guard because it just didn't feel like this the, the type of search FSU was entering. When when Jimbo departed, it did have that feel, and everything that all the info that we got pointed in that direction, which is why you know we were we were out there saying that Taggart was the sole focus of this search, and that's just it's not, we're not being told that. This, did this go did you guys get shook at any point on Monday night with all that happening on Twitter? Like I was pretty calm. Then I got like a couple texts that, that freaked me out some. But uh, for the most part, for me being the, the naturally anxious person I am, I, I wasn't that freaked out. Like I didn't think we were behind on anything. It, well, it Monday hyperbolic to me. Monday was funny because there's a select few people I really trust when it comes to these matters. And some of them were even hitting me up like, what the hell is going on? And I think one thing that's interesting about this search compared to past searches is that because Boosters is more involved and that's something that Coburn's alluded to and that we know about this process, I think there's a few more voices in the room than we're used to, especially right. at the last search. So I think that's causing a little bit more of a, you know, a lot of squawking. There's a lot of people that think they know what's going on. But at the end of the day, I still believe this hire is being made by basically three or four people total. So, you know, you need people that know those voices or who are those voices. So Monday was weird. I've done this for a long time. I can't recall another day that was quite of that magnitude where, holy hell, where is this all coming from was kind of the, the way Maybe I Maybe the day Jimbo it. left. Yeah, but even that, you know, we're sitting on a bench watching him pack his car at some point. So, like, right. you know what's happening. So Right, right. You know, the thing for me with Monday was, like, and I think we all spoke that evening. We were trading text for sure. And it was sort of like, you know, I – I think I have a pulse of some of it, but I'm not completely sure. Truthfully, let's just practice patience and see where it takes us. But yeah, it, it was nuts. Yeah. And on my, when, when stuff hits the fan like that and goes really crazy, I try to block out all the, all the people that are texting me and just go to those few that I trust. And when it comes to that, like I told you guys, I can't report what I'm not being told. So from those that I trusted, Nobody was telling me Stoops was on campus. Nobody was telling me this thing was going down that night. And nobody. So I felt calm. I felt confident in those few people that I do trust were not telling me any of those things. So, you know, I didn't have it wasn't a tough choice for me. I, I had nothing to report on it. So um, 
I'm ready to move forward all with right, it. Though. All right, let's uh, let's take a quick break. And I do hold on, Brendan. Uh-huh, I do I think that not. we're going to see the rumors start swirling again as this week kind of comes to an end because a lot of put people put a timetable on Friday and a potential of a Friday hire. So I would caution fans that I think this thing could heat back up uh, at the end of this week. All right. Now we're going to take a quick break. Uh, and when we get back, uh, we're going to do a little bit more of the, uh, the speculative part of the podcast. Okay, guys? So I have a little bit more fun if you, if you two decide to play along. No. <laughs> the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Grab your VIP pass. We're delving into the secretive world of Formula One. Behind the scenes with two of the sport's biggest names, Mercedes and Williams. This is not coal mining, this is Formula One motor racing. As they build their new cars. We want to be so much further ahead. We are in permanent racing mode. And face shocking headlines. Here's Lewis Hamilton moving away from Mercedes. I'm Joseph Fiennes and this is F1, back at base. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we're back. Uh, Josh has promised to not play along, but I... uh, I don't know, man. You you do want to play along because I've heard some crazy uh, conspiracy theories from you in the past uh, past 24 hours. And I think we need to qualify this as just that a conspiracy theory, uh, but something that you at least put some thought into. So go ahead. Here's platform is yours, Mr. Newberg. Thanks, Brennan. I just got too much time on my hands. Thoughts get a little bit wild. So I don't know any of this to be true, but I have been thinking about it. So what if Bob Stoops is in direct talks with Florida State, but he's not a candidate? How could that be? First of all, Florida State officials have admitted Stoops is a candidate, and we've confirmed talks have been ongoing. This means Stoops is currently in the process of learning about all the inner workings of Florida State. Uh, every program's built a little different, right? Like who holds the power? What's the structure of the booster clubs, facilities, campus, APR numbers, funding, all the stuff that would be important to your success if you took the job. Um, So say uh, throughout the process, Stoops asks for nine million a year. Florida State says, let's go see what we can pay you. They gather their funds. They're like, we got seven million. All right. So Stoops continues to take into the all this info in. He's just digesting it. The spotlight stays on him. He's the big name in the media. He's the focus. All the while, we know that FSU search committee is looking into other names. One of those names is his younger brother, Mark. What if all this Bob Stoops buildup just continues? The season comes to an end and Bob makes his decision, right? But it's not his decision, Brendan. This whole time, Bob was conducting a proxy interview for his brother, Mark. 
Bob got all the info, all the numbers, all the info, all the information he needs to make the best decision for his brother, Mark. So the final three weeks of the season went distraction free for Mark at Kentucky because the focus was on his brother the whole time. At the end of the month, Bob will know enough to tell his brother whether or not he should take the job at FSU. So say Bob, you know, comes to the conclusion, you, you should take this job. Well, he can also say, hey, they got seven million. Don't take less than seven million. That's what they offered me. So I don't know any of this to be true. But what if it was? <laughs> I feel like I feel like I feel like the X Files music should come in right now. Hit it, Brendan. Uh, so I'm really distracted Porter. right now. If you go ahead, Chris, and then I want to tell you guys something really big in my life that just happened, and then I want Porter to record, shit on Josh's I, theory. I floated this crazy theory that Josh threw at me. I think he originally threw it at me like 48 hours ago to somebody that knows, and they were like, "Nah, man." Like, I, I, from what I was told, FSU is actually like inquired if that's what's going on. It was like, we're not about that. We're not playing that game. Yeah. And, and to, to, to back it up, I didn't want to say this before, but I've asked some people that I trust as well. And they, they, while they thought it was entertaining as hell and uh, would make for like a good episode of some HBO show, they didn't think uh, they didn't think that was happening. So people thought that was a bad idea. And then you still decided that you wanted to make this a topic during the podcast. <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. So I, I do think, though, as I mean, yeah, our resident, can I say? No, never mind. I'm not going to say what I want to say. What I will say is, as crazy as that is, uh, I do think that there is some legitimacy to Stoops, Bob Stoops, kind of using this as a power play. Um, and obviously, as a coach, he holds the leverage right now. We could talk about what, you know, who has the leverage, because some people were questioning when I wrote that on the message board, like, why? You know, why does Stoops have the leverage in the scenario? We can get into that, and I trust Chris's uh, business acumen, his, his brain there, to uh, to be able to dissect that well. But what if Bob Stoops is, in addition to you know maybe some of the facility things that Chris mentioned and, and some of the assurances for support staff, like what if he's aiming, as, as we're sticking on the conspiracy theories here, what if he's aiming to maybe be the athletic director in a few years, and when he's the AD, uh, he uh, he makes way for a uh, a solid reputable coach to replace him maybe a uh, a mark stoops if you will and instead of florida state university be florida stoops university hmm hmm i i can't play this game with you guys i'm just not built this way i just I, bought I a got, 15 year old happy fan winkle 15 years old at market <laughs> price sorry guys i'm really excited about this do you know what pappy van winkle is no i've heard of it a time or two well, maybe maybe I'll let you uh, maybe I'll share it with you one day because I just bought it for market price. All right, or not? Go screw yourself. What do you got to say, Josh? I'm happy right now. I love you both. Nothing. I got some stuff you should try that'll give you better ideas than that. <laughs> if if that's the if the conspiracy conspiracy theory we heard, I, I'll stick to the scotch and you can stick to your your stuff. How about that? How about that? All right. So now that we got that out of the way, back kind of on track here, but this is going to be the more speculative part of the podcast still. Uh, Chris, when we talk about leverage uh, and leverage. who has le- leverage in this situation, um, it's Bob Stoops, right? Like, if, yeah, because <laughs> he needs F- he, FSU. Need a job. Correct. FSU needs him much more than than he needs FSU right now, I think is fair to say, right? 
Yeah, that man already has generational wealth. He's beloved where he lives. He's thought of highly from the university he last worked for. He walked out a door with his head hanging high, doing well for that school at the time. Handed off the baton to a brilliant offensive young mind who's taken him to new heights again. And, you know, they're competing right there where they were when Bob had them at their best. So, yeah, Bob Stoops don't need this job. He might want it. Some guys got that coaching itch and they love to feed it. And generational wealth times two is a really fun thing to have, I hear. So, you know, there's that. But the guy doesn't have to do it. Like, it's, there's nothing. Bob Stoops isn't climbing a ladder. Bob Stoops isn't setting himself up for a future. Bob Stoops is damn near retirement age and can walk out the door right now and be happy with never coaching another football game. I was told he's coaching the Dallas XFL team to kind of scratch the itch because he does enjoy coaching. But he's also coaching that team with nothing but his friends, from what I understand. Like, that entire staff are guys that either he's worked with before or who played for him or who he's close to. Like, that staff is essentially the Bob Stoops frat party and he made the invitation list. <laughs> yes, yeah, I've heard that as well. So so with that though in mind, uh, mm-hmm. why is Stoops for FSU worth courting to this extent? Like if these are things that are possibly on the table, like a very Because attract- he's the only one that could start on the job tomorrow. That's not a that big he'd one. be coaching not that he'd be coaching the actual team, but you know what I mean. Getting moved in. Like he's the only coach that could actually start. So I think fans well, the uh, only the only perfect like coach who could start, right? You could, could right, go a coordinator right. who could start in a you know in a week or two, but yeah, okay. Just want to clarify. He also understands the magnitude of the job, and I think that's a very important thing in this hire. FSU can't miss on this hire, and they hired a guy last time who, well, he loved this place. I think he understood this place in the sense of fandom. I don't know that he understands all of the components that come with trying to build this program. And I think some of that became a very, very heavy weight on his shoulders. And that's going to happen to anybody who's still a relatively young coach who's still working his way up the ladder. Bob Stoops coached Oklahoma, coached him to the highest level, dealt with all of the pressure that comes with being Oklahoma, competing with Texas, trying to win the Big 12, trying to win national titles. And he fundraised. He did well. He understands all of the dynamics of the job, has a thorough understanding of it, has lived it, and has performed it at a high level. I think that's why he's a guy that's so appealing to people that have money in their pot for this hire. Uh, and in addition to what Josh said about uh, Bob being the guy who could start right away, which is huge if we're talking about what this recruiting calendar looks like now, and we saw with Willie Taggart, what kind of detriment it can be to to have you know, a slower start with, with getting a coaching staff together and having only a couple weeks with the early signing period to get a big chunk of this talent kind of uh, acquired. Uh, if you get Bob Stoops and he's able to at least get on campus, start putting his staff together, and if you can get it all like kind of tied together for the first week of December, uh, that's a huge step ahead of what a lot of other teams are going to have when their coaching vacancies occur. Uh, but but also, like from a excitement standpoint, I think Bob moves the needle a little bit. I don't know who else does. Maybe uh, – can you think of anyone else, like a realistic candidate or someone who, who FSU would have a legitimate shot at that, that you could actually say this would move the needle in terms of getting fan support back on track – really quickly like like mark stoops probably wouldn't be the guy who does that bob stoops I mean, uh, uh, james uh, franklin maybe yeah james franklin even a mike leach you know not that mike, i think mike leach go would, in that for, direction for but being zany yeah for yeah you know you you hire mike leach or james franklin or bob stoops you're gonna see you know 40 50 000 in the stands for the first spring game similar to like a willie taggart entrance and uh, I'm not saying that's the route they're going to go, but there are other names besides Bob that, that could bring that kind of excitement. And that excitement yeah, that, noting because uh, David Coburn basically spelled this out during his press conference on Monday, that financially Florida State was 
was hemorrhaging money, or at least for what it should be making with its income. Uh, they couldn't afford to keep Willie Taggart was essentially his message. You need to find a way to stop that bleeding as soon as possible. I'm not sure anyone gets that done in year one, but uh, that's why we're talking about Florida State. You'll maybe throw around $8 million or so potentially a year per coach. Like You need to get someone who can turn the program around quickly, but get people back in the seats as soon as possible as well. Sorry, Chris, go ahead. I want to get that point out. I was going to say, there's a lot of good coaches out there that you can hire who will probably have a good chance at being successful. We all know that with any coaching hire, there's a certain degree of uncertainty, and sometimes it just doesn't work. I think the thing with a hire of the magnitude of a Bob Stoops is that it's sort of like a cross-promotional event where football heads will be like, oh, he's a good coach, but the general public who just knows Bob Stoops as a name is also going to be like, oh, wow, they brought him out of retirement. He hired him, you know, things like that. So I think there's a little bit of a, a magnitude factor to him that kind of amplifies a hire of his sort that you don't get with other candidates. Now, other candidates in two years may create that because they're having success and they've turned it around. They've been good at what they're doing. They did what they were hired to do. But I think Bob Stoops creates that impact with a snap of a finger of being the hire. I think that's the difference between him and a majority of other good qualified candidates. That makes sense. We're, and we're talking about you know, what we learned with Willie Tagger. I think all three of us thought that Willie was a good hire. Uh, on paper, he checked off a lot of those boxes. You like that, Chris? I got to check the box reference for you. It's been a while since you threw that out there. I'm always he does. for cliches, baby. I know you are. I know. Uh, but he, he did hit a lot of the different criteria you want. And obviously, it wasn't a sure thing. And to me, that was a learning experience. That was my first coaching search, the first time I've covered a program with an incoming coach. Uh, what you learn is that there is no such thing as a sure thing. There's all risks involved. I think with Bob Stoops, he probably provides the lowest amount of risk based on what his track record was at Oklahoma, how stable he was for the reasons Chris mentioned. That's where his value is. I'm not sure how you quantify it. <laughs> That's probably what they're discussing uh, this week is is how Florida State can quantify that value and just how much that's worth to them. But, but that is part of his appeal. Guys, a game for you real quick. Uh, I want to ask you right now, Bob Stoops versus the field. Who do you got? If you had, if you were a betting man, who would you take, Bob Stoops or the field right now? As of today, Thursday morning, this is just a game. No one's holding you to this. I'll make sure. Field. No one aggregate this. This is just us having fun. You got the field, Josh? I'm, I'm taking the field, too. I just I, I think it's a safer bet. All right. Now, what if I ante it up a little bit? Uh Bob Stoops and Mark or and or sorry, Bob Stoops or Mark Stoops versus the field. Now what do you got? I think mm. I'd still lean towards field. I think Mark Stoops is a bit of a tough sell for the fan base because of the current head coaching record and the guy they just fired having a similar one. Yeah, but if he runs the table, he'll be one game over five hundred. <laughs> it's amazing. All the difference <laughs> in the world. I like Mark Stoops. I was petitioning in some ways for Mark Stoops on our last podcast. I think Mark's a very good coach. He knows what a defensive player looks like. I think he helped FSU's defense immensely. And I think he also hires good people around him. And he's done well at Kentucky, a place that has a certain level of a ceiling. All right. So let's assume that Florida State continues the negotiation. I don't want to say negotiations. They continue talking with with Bob Stoops and, and that progresses. Let's say, though, it stalls out. Uh, we know that Florida State's going to vet other options. That's one of the reasons why they have the search firm is to help them get as much information with as many possible candidates as you can. Uh, and I guess what are your guys' thoughts if, if, say, Bob Stoops doesn't happen and we're saying right now the field versus Bob Stoops, we still think it's more likely you go field than Bob Stoops, even though he is the, the lead candidate in our minds right now. 
What other directions can Florida State go? Josh, I'll throw this to you since you did put together our initial hot board. What are the types of guys Florida State's looking at? Who do you think holds more uh, more value in Florida State's mind for what they want in a head coach, too, and who are some guys that fit in that criteria to you? Whenever I whenever I think about all these things, like because you got to separate yourself from like if who who I personally like, who I think would do a good job at Florida State, to who I think they're going to hire, right? And I think if the Stoopses fall off the board, uh, you're going to – does the pendulum swing all the way over to looking at Venables and Scott and, and coordinators? No, I don't tend to think so. I think Florida State maybe settles somewhere in the middle with like a Dave Clawson. I think Dave Clawson checks a lot of boxes. My man. Even though he's quote-unquote an up-and-comer, he's not exactly as young as like a uh, Matt Campbell or Norvell. I think he's in his 50, early 50s. So – Clawson is one with less, you know, done, done a lot with less and coaches at Florida state lately have done, have done less with more here. So I think it'd be a good flip flop. Um, I not that he would be like my number one pick, but I, I think if we miss on the Stoopses, the focus turns to, uh, Clawson. Chris. I'm just proud of Josh for being a wet blanket moment for people. Really what did I do? Now. I thought I that just, was fun. You just don't think I, Dave Clawson's I, a sexy name? Right. I, I That's what that I think. Got, right. I don't think the, the admin's willing to take a risk. And I think that would be the smart play on their part. I don't really have a next guy up. I think it's – I think the vetting process is going to be who can help us win here and help us get the fan base back in our favor because mm-hmm. I think that's, that's both important. important. It's important for there to be a short-term win and long-term success with this one. That, uh, in the industry, they call that um, winning the press conference and winning on the field. That's a toughie. Yeah. We and saw last you can time, do one, but time, not necessarily both yeah. sometimes. Exactly. <laughs> last right. time, Florida State certainly won the they press conference. They nailed that press conference, uh, but that press conference ended up kind of being a, a kiss of death, too, with some of the messaging that was out there. Didn't really – uh, preach the patience that was probably needed. No need to rehash. Uh, one thing, additionally, <laughs> that that I want to get into. Guys. Are you sure you look like Brendan, you need therapy? Folks, Brendan nearly <laughs> punched himself on in the face for I did? rehashing. Oh, I did. I thought I was fine with it. I just, guys, I got the Pappy Fifteen. I'm just drinking a lot of coffee right now. I got a lot of energy. I'm very excited. Um, your cholesterol on. skyrocketed about 80 this week because I, of your eating habits with your wife being gone. And the coaching surge. So in the past, real quick. Don't the blame past, the coaching surge. That was I part of eat, I don't. I just don't eat during the surge. You eat a lot during the surge? I, well, I go out to eat a lot. Like I'm driving home. Uh, I stop I at Publix you. and get me some right. fried chicken or something. Like I don't want to have to think about cooking or cleaning. Yeah. Like I agree. Yeah. And it's also like I'm a shockingly a uh, – an emotional eater too. So when I'm nervous or tired or whatever, like I just, I want that comfort food, man. Give me all the mac and cheese in the world. You're a human dumpster. <laughs> uh, uh, good thing people couldn't see what I just did. Um, one, one thing that I want to spin this forward to a little bit and moving on the past two minutes, which I wish didn't happen. Um, recruiting. FSU has, Dropped to the 18th class in the country, but before Willie was fired, it was 14th. Josh, you went on a uh, you went on uh, open mic with the bulldog Mike Bianchi. Uh, he didn't want me to talk this week because he wanted a recruiting expert. Congratulations, I got uh, Wally pipped. I think. What are your thoughts about so far, and can you fill us in on on what I guess has happened on the recruiting trail the last few days? Uh, is this expected? 
Should people be freaking out? Where's the staff standing? Actually, I want both of you guys to talk about this, but Josh, please, uh, please fill us in. Give us a little synopsis on recruiting and then followed by your lovely, your lovely take uh, recycled from, from open mic today. Yeah, it was funny. You hooked me up with Bianchi. I've never been on a show and he, yeah, and I probably won't ever and, be back on now too. And promotes me as not, you know, Josh Newberg with Knowles 24 seven, but with the big three roll up. And I was like, I wanted to like raise my, I'm like, uh, Brendan, I work with Brendan. He's the one, that, <laughs> but it was, oh, wait, he's, <laughs> that's pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. He, I'm the host of the big three roll up. So anyway, he said, could, could I have thrown he, on the bench plug in there. For oh, us? we got it. We got on the bench, but I think he wanted me to come on and talk about the demise of the Florida state recruiting class, but it's just not there yet. I mean, like you said, Florida state was ranked number 14 before the Willie Taggart firing. They're ranked number 18. Now the biggest decommitment thus far, there's only been three since Taggart left. Bermudez actually decommitted about an hour before the firing. Um, Jalen Knighton, Jalen Knighton's the biggest one that's off the commit list. That's the one that really stings right now. But correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, I'm, I'm probably more than 50% sure that, uh, Knighton would have been out of here regardless. I don't think that was trending very well, even if Willie right. stayed. Yeah. I mean, he, he did not show up for the Miami game like he planned to. He had plans to visit Florida. We've heard some whispers that he already had visited Florida. don't know if that's true or not, but Florida's definitely become a player there. And I think Knighton's a guy that just understood that there were opportunities out there for him that might be better than FSU right now. Yeah, that was the kind of the vibe I was being told. He could be a great player anywhere. He doesn't have necessarily have to go to a place that has so much instability and so many question marks, especially on the offensive line. Uh, now you just look at you know who's still at the top of the commit list. Obviously, everybody knows the importance of keeping Jeff Sims committed. Jeff Sims hasn't set up any visits yet. He hasn't been very vocal. He's just kind of waiting. I think he's just going to be patient and see who they make the hire. I'm, I feel good right now about holding on to Jeff Sims. And then I think you look at the top of the commit list with Demory Tate and Malachi Weidman. Um, Malachi Weidman, I also believe is going to be patient. He's got a lot of people knocking at his door right now, but I'm told that the connection with the basketball and the football program, the ability to go to Florida state and do both at a high level is what has him sold on Florida State. And as long as he waits and is patient to see who the hire is, I think there's a good chance they hold on to him. Demory Tate's a little bit of an unknown, right, Chris? He's, he, he's, he's harder to gauge. He's the four-star cornerback out of Orlando Freedom. What do you think on Tate? Uh, he's kept himself pretty quiet. One thing I've been told is very much if Odell's there, he's probably there. Odell's his guy. Odell offered him very early and recognized his talent way before the industry and other schools. And Demory likes the fact that it's a very good in-state program that's had success with defensive backs over the years. So I think that it's one of those things where he there's a lot of reasons Demory wants to stay connected to Florida State. Uh, anything else with recruiting uh, before I throw out one more hypothetical with 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 the coaching stuff? No, I mean I think that you know we've seen some kids kind of shake a little loose. Mormon Joseph talking about taking a visit to Tennessee. Alex Cabbage talking about taking a visit to uh, Miami. We've also heard Maryland with him. Jayon uh, McCluster is yeah, McCluster open. said that he may take some visits. Josh Griffiths has set up what Louisville and uh, Nebraska. Nebraska. Yeah, and then we know that you know guys like Zane Hearing are definitely getting hit up by new schools. Uh, Ja'Kai Douglas, I'm sure, is getting banged on pretty hard by Florida and a couple others. 
So, I mean, it's it's going to be a task, and they're going to have to do mm-hmm. work, but, you know, they kind of understand this. I think the kids that are committed to this class understood what they were committing to, as I've said, I feel like a million times on podcasts. And I think some of that has carryover effect to this, you know, situation we're in with a coach being dismissed and trying to make a hire. Now, if the hiring process becomes a mess and it's something that lasts into December, then, yeah, they're going to lose kids because kids are signing early and deciding early and enrolling early. And if they're not sure what the situation in Tallahassee is, they're not going to stay on board. But we're not yet at that point. FSU has time to handle it appropriately where we don't get to that point. You also have to factor in options, right? And this isn't I'm not I'm not making a slight at the current commitments and I'll explain why not every guy that's committed to Florida state. I mean, very few are going to be able to reopen their recruitments and go to a place like a Florida state, Florida, Miami, Auburn, Georgia. And here's why it doesn't all have to do with talent level. It doesn't all have to do with offers, but some of these kids might've been offered by a program like that back in March But now, I mean, Florida State had 21 commitments. There's programs with 22, 23, 24 commitments. There's just not a lot of spots out there available. So some of these kids are going to reopen their recruitments and find that, well, if I don't go to Florida State, I'm going to have to go to Louisville or Nebraska or Maryland. You know, these aren't all options that are on par with a with a program that's like Florida State. So that's why that's another reason that I see that I don't think there's a real reason to panic if a head coach isn't named by the end of this week. Uh, yeah. You can, you can misplay your hand if you put yourself back on the market. And, and so there is like big picture. I'm usually a proponent guys. Like you, obviously when you talk about coaching searches, people always say, Oh, you got to get the recruiting class together. And, and there's this rush to do that. Uh, but it's more important to nail the hire, right? Like that's obviously long-term uh, with that in mind though. Like one thing that, that kind of keeps striking me here and, and, I think this is pretty important factor. FSU's already coming off of uh, a short signing class with Willie Taggart from his first year when he came in in December and didn't have a whole lot of time to secure guys. What were they like the uh, the early signing period? They were 63rd or something like that when it ended. 64 to 11. 64. And then they they went up to 11, but you know, 11 usually isn't where Florida State resides uh, when you're talking about talent acquisition. Uh, so – you already had that class where you had to kind of cobble things together. Then you had the 28 or the 2019 class uh, ranked lowest it's been in, in about a decade for Florida state. So you had a short class and then a class that came off the heels of a five and seven season. Mm-hmm. If you bring in a coach and let's say this does linger through the month, gets into December and you're not hiring a coach. And I know we're dealing with hypotheticals here, but you're not hiring a coach or you hire a coach and he's not able to get a full staff or a primary staff in for the early signing period. Then all of a sudden, guys, you're looking at two out of your last three years, shortened signing periods where guys aren't where coaches aren't able to necessarily identify and bring in all the guys they want. You're going to have that anyways, I think, regardless of who you hire because of the circumstances. But uh, if this is something that lingers, I guess, how impactful can that be to the long-term structure of this roster? Two short classes in three years seems like that could be, to me, uh, concerning. Well, I think FSU is going to have their worst roster in the last decade next season, regardless of how this plays out. I think the key there is getting somebody who can, A, recruit high school and JUCO, but also, B, can win the portal. Um, you know, you can look at other examples. Scott Satterfield came into Louisville and went to the portal and got about a half dozen guys that have helped them this year 
lot of band-aids and FSU is going to need band-aids next year. They're going to need guys that can come in and just kind of stop the bleeding at certain spots for at least a one year period. While FSU goes and recruits guys that are not eating up a roster spot for four years. So you can say, Hey, there's immediate playing time for you high school recruit in the 2020, 2021 class to come in here and play. So I think that's kind of the key for FSU is that their, their roster rebuild it's going to have to be multi-phased. It's not going to be solely high school kids. It's going to be high school JUCO uh, transfers, making sure you retain members of the roster that are going to help you win games, not allowing them to enter the portal and depart. So I think for the next coach, all of those things are in play. And with that in mind, uh, who are the coaches that we're looking at, Josh, that could help make an instant re- instant spark on the recruiting trail to where maybe you salvage this class right now with all it's not in terrible shape. Uh, who who can get FSU going in the right direction like instantly? Who hit, who is the cachet maybe to hit the ground running and and start swaying some big time guys to take visits immediately? Like I I don't know if I feel like a Dave Clawson does that as much as I think he brings stability. Like I don't think he wins that variable right away. Um, who would who would fit that bill? Bob Stoops, I think, would probably, even though he's retired, I think his name still would would have uh, credence. Is there anyone else? Um, I would say Mark Stoops. I think Mark Stoops would definitely know how to hit the ground running. I'm just so out of the real. Obviously, there's unrealistic candidates. Yeah, we're talking about the, the realistic, the yeah, realistic, realistic ones. candidates. So of the names that we bat around, I mean, obviously a Mike Leach. You know, he's going to bring some sort of buzz, but I'm not expecting that higher. So. Uh, I would say a, a Mark Stoops could come in because he knows the lay of the land. He's going to bring assistants that know how to recruit Florida. I mean, I could, I would only assume that Eddie Grant's coming with him. <laughs> and we all know the damage Eddie can do in South Florida with a seminal logo on his shirt. So, yeah, I think there's a couple guys. I mean, you look, even though I think Matt Campbell's a great recruiter, I don't know of any ties to Florida that he has. I don't know of any real buzz that he would generate from kids in, in high school. Um, of course, he's going to be able to go out and recruit if he has a seminal logo on. I'm not saying if they hire Matt Campbell that they're going to fall flat on their face this first year in recruiting. But what I'm saying is there's very few guys that are realistic options that have deep ties to recruiting. But this is meant to be the right hire for, for the program in the long term, not the right hire to go out and how can they salvage a recruiting class in two weeks. Right. And that's more long term. And I think, like you said, Josh, Florida State recruits itself. I think that's the big picture if everything else is right. Um, But with with it's not just this recruiting class, I think it's the context. And that's the balancing act that Florida State's trying to find here, I think, is is someone that can help get excitement right away from the fan base for recruits and who could be good long term. Like we said, that's that's a difficult balancing act. Uh, Just two two or three other names to throw out there with guys who think would generate that kind of buzz like on the recruiting trail. Uh, we mentioned James Franklin as someone who who would. Uh, we know FSU was interested in him and, and vice versa the last go around when when Willie Taggart was was ultimately hired. I'm not sure if that's still the case now, but he's someone who recruits at an elite level at Penn State. Uh, he can recruit you know in different areas, including the Southeast from Vanderbilt to highs too. So uh, I think he would. I think either the Clemson offensive coordinators, uh, Tony Elliott or Jeff Scott would uh, provide pop there too, based on the recruiting ties with Clemson and what they've been doing regionally. However, uh, like we said earlier, FSU probably not risk. You know, probably probably doesn't want to take the risk on a coordinator uh, with this go around. They, they can't afford to to miss. So, all right, moving on from recruiting, if that's cool, guys. Uh, there is a football game this Saturday. Chris, do you want to give us your uh, your two minute synopsis on uh, on FSU's upcoming game at Boston College? It's going to be cold. 
I'm not looking forward to that. Yeah, I saw that the temperature is supposed to be around 40 now, which is actually up a bit from earlier in the week. Oh. It was hanging around mid 30 So you don't have to pack that winter jacket, just three sweats. Yeah, that, that five de- that five degrees when you're talking about 30 to 40 is it's huge, 35 to 40. Yeah, Boston College is sort of who they always are. They have a pretty damn good offensive line. Actually kind of surprising to them this year that they have as good of an offensive line as they do because they were replacing a lot of bodies along there. They don't allow a lot of sacks. A lot of that's because they run the ball so much. Everybody and their brother knows of A.J. Dillon, but David Bailey's become kind of his Robin to Dillon's Batman. They're really big, physical, pounding guys, about a combined 490 between them. They're going to run it down your throat. If BC gets a lead and they're able to run it downhill, it's going to be a long, long day for FSU. In the passing game, they're relying on a former walk-on quarterback, Dennis Grozel. I'm probably mispronouncing that last name. Grozel. He's replaced Anthony Brown, who suffered a knee injury and is out for the rest of the year. He had been quite awful as a starting quarterback until last week with Syracuse, where he went eight for 10 for 193 and three touchdowns. Uh, Syracuse so, is the elixir for all your problems. If only they yeah, were all he, Syracuse. <laughs> he was 21 for 60 for 290 yards before that. So he's not a world beater. Hopefully we don't make him look like one. Hunter Long, tight ends, their best target. Three of their top five receiving targets are actually tight ends. So it kind of tells you what BC is. They're not a big play outside team. But the funny thing is they do make a lot of big plays. They, first and foremost, have averaged 24.2 points per game in the first half this year. So they're pretty good at getting up on people, which is really a bad thing when you're facing a team that can run the ball like they do. And then also offensively, they're in games averaging 34.1 overall. But it's the explosiveness of the offense, the uh, capability of hitting big plays. They average a lot per catch. They're kind of that team that they're not going to dink and dunk you. They're going to run it or they're going to go over the top on you. There's not 30, a whole lot in between. 31 points per game is really impressive when you think about how they operate, too, with with keeping the ball on the ground and the clock not, not necessarily yeah. being up-tempo. That's, 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 that's 34.1. 34.1. 34. 34. Oh, my yeah, God. So add a oh, field goal on there, baby. God. Add a field goal. Um, defensively, they're pretty dreadful. They, uh, they're struggling defensively. They give up a lot of yards, especially through the year. Max Richardson, a linebacker for him, is probably the best player for them on that side of ball. He has 87 tackles on the year, 59 solo stops, which ranks third nationally, 13 and a half tackles for loss, which ranks 11th nationally, and he leads them with three and a half sacks. They're a little opportunistic on defense with turnovers. They've done a fairly good job with that over the last three years, actually plus .56 in the turnover margin department, nine interceptions, eight forced fumbles on the season with four fumble recoveries. So, they're one of those where if you make a mistake, they'll make you pay, but you can also score points on them. For FSU, it's going to come down to, is the offense going to click and have a good day? Because I think they're going to have to keep pace more than anything. I don't think it's going to be a defensive affair on Saturday. Uh, I, I think it's going to come down to, uh, I mean, yeah, that's true, but more than that and big picture for this game, like uh, where's this team's headspace at right now? We saw what they did when Odell Hagens became the interim head coach two years ago when Jimbo Fisher left. FSU was two and O, two and Odell, but but very different uh, this this scenario because Jimbo left. You had a lot of guys who probably felt slighted. Uh, this is a lot more heartbreak and a lot more uh, some guys feeling betrayed. And and with Willie Taggart being fired, you had Willie's guys uh, that were you know buying into him. Um, so it's an interesting dynamic, uh, and I'm curious to see what Odell w- does with them. I know we think highly of Odell and and how he can uh, how he can help guys out and and get them nice and and calm. Uh, Chris, what are your thoughts about that aspect? I, I think that's going to be telling. Is, is this team ready to play after what's been a really weird week for them? 
Yeah, I think mental state's going to be an interesting thing to watch. I think senior leadership, guys like Marv, guys like Cameron, are going to kind of help that just in the sense of being guys that will be settling both, forces for him. Both, 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 the are, sideline. both are juniors. Banged up. Yeah, and both are banged up right now, which isn't great either. Or we believe yeah. both are banged up. We, we know believe Cam both are. Toe. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, we believe both are banged up. I haven't been able to confirm it yet. Uh, but they are hearing Marv. Marv has been limited in practice this week. Uh, I don't want to get into the specifics of, of the injury because I haven't confirmed it, but he's just been limited. I'm not sure what his availability is, but if he's not 100%, I know Corey Durden's been dealing with a shoulder injury. It sounds like he'll be good to go, but but the shoulder kind of sounds like it keeps popping in and out of place. Those are your two two of your three defensive tackles or defensive linemen that aren't 100% with that run game coming at you that, that has the possibility to be problematic. I think we're going to know early what kind of game it's going to be. I agree if with FSU you, Chris. comes out and competes, it's going to be a game that probably is a four-quarter game. If FSU comes out and is a little uh, just not in it, you know, not ready to play, you know, BC is going to run it down their throats. And the stat I was looking for a little earlier, BC is first in the ACC with 28 plays of 30-plus yards in 2019. And they are sixth nationally with eight passes of 50 or more yards on the season, too. So is that why you're big one is that you. why you were waving frantically at me earlier? Because you found the stat. Yeah, I, found, I found the stat. I was looking for it a minute ago and I couldn't oh find it. I didn't want to say the wrong numbers. But the, the thing is, they're going to jab you. They're going to throw a lot of punches with that run game. But they can also uppercut you with big plays that they kind of kind of pull out on you. So, you know, FSU's got to be careful to. They got to show up and play. They they can't walk in there and start slow because if they do, they're going to get down. And if they get down, BC's going to just do what they did to them two years ago on Chestnut Hill. I haven't thought a lot about the game other than just the the talking points we just put out there and um and, and trying to chase some of the injury stuff. I know what BC does well typically. BC is giving two points right now. Uh, I'm inclined. I haven't thought of a score prediction. I want to get your guys, I guess, because because people are interested. It's probably a little, little bit. Uh, I would go with BC giving giving two right now. I I think that this is a tough game for Florida State. I'm not sure where their headspace is going to be. Could be fine. Could spell disaster really early on with with some of the factors we've just mentioned. But I, I'm going to go with BC at home here. What about you guys? I, think I like I'm those odds towards BC. Yeah. Oh. Be a tough game. All right. All right, guys, I'm going to go celebrate. Uh, I got a little news to chase, too, apparently, based on the text message I just got, although we already talked about it on the podcast. I wish we would have gotten confirmation from FSU, damn it. All right, I'm going to go celebrate my pappy Van Winkle. Josh closes out. Stoop, kids afraid to leave the stoop. Stoop, kids are left to leave the stoop. Chris, have you ever heard of this song that he's singing? No, <laughs> he's like. That wasn't part of your childhood. I'm like, no, my parents liked me, buddy. Yeah, they didn't sit me in front of a screen. All right, thanks, Brendan. So for Chris Nee, I'm Josh Newberg, and we are on the bench. See you guys later in the week. <laughs>